Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and my director of football, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. At least I'm someone's director of football, eh? <laughs> At least someone's got a director of football. Uh, at least someone associated to Tottenham Hotspur Football Club has, has uh, um, ordained a director of football. There you go. We got there eventually. <laughs> your, your first response was like unbelievably arrogant. I was like, he's not really gonna, he's not going to leave that set, is he? <laughs> <laughs> not because it's about me, but because it's like at least there's a director of football being involved somewhere. I get not, it. Not about. I, I don't it. want to be director of football at Tottenham. <laughs> Please let that be on the record. So Nathan A. Clark <laughs> believes that he should be the director of football at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. It'll be, Can it'll I, be a nightmare. Would you take that job, Nathan, no. if they came to you? No, I'd take it. I'd do it. I think I would do Daniel Levy. I could do a yeah. better job than the Levy's doing, but it would be mm. miserable. I'd hate it. I wouldn't want to actually be involved with Spurs because that's that's you know that's make not only seeing how the sausage is made, but making the yeah. sausage yourself. But Ugh. you could improve the sausage. You could you could put you could like sauce proper no. meat to put in the sausage instead no, of the no, no, instead no. of the hoofs and the antlers that we're no, putting in at the moment. We could put some prime pork in there. You're you're working out of Daniel Levy's walk-in freezer. Like you've, you've got to use what's in there. <laughs> Seriously, Just bits of bits of old managers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know when you when you buy sausages, you should always check the back of the packet and see the pork content, right? Yeah. And if it's anything below, I'd say eighty-five percent. Just put them straight mm. back on the shelf. You don't want you don't want that. <laughs> Spurs pork content is forty five percent. Anyway, Jesus. enough enough sausage chat for one week. <laughs> uh, we got we got some we got a nice iTunes review which has a question embedded in it. Please do leave us an iTunes review if you haven't already, or review on any podcast app. Uh, that would be really nice of you. Um, this one is from Losty123, who says, Defo, the best Spurs podcast. Hopefully you answer this on the pod, but if we sold Kane or Son, how would you personally spend the money? Um, and I'm going to take this to mean, how would you personally spend the money on yourself? Buddy, <laughs> how, how would you spend uh, 200 million quid? <laughs> I, I don't know if I could be bothered to buy another house, but I might just... Um... Hire someone really fancy to come in and decorate it for me and then just rip out the kitchen and put new stuff in and maybe buy a car. Give you some money, Wendy, because I know, I know you like to spend money. <laughs> uh, I give Nathan some money. I'll split it with you guys and then I give the rest of my family and keep maybe, I don't know, 20 million, 25 million to keep myself going for the rest of my life. I can, imagine, I can imagine you buying a restaurant. And running a restaurant. No. <laughs> Who wants that stress? You know, if you buy a restaurant, you've got to be there every single day. I might buy a pub. Oh, um, yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah, I might buy I know. You'd love it. You'd, you'd never be any beer left. I'd, <laughs> I'd um, buy a pub, maybe, and look after the kitchen a little bit. But then you can hang around. Yeah, but never a restaurant. It's too much hard work. How about you, Nathan? How are you spending your cool 200 mil? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, a lot of people... Um, 
think about the idea of receiving such enormous sums you know what would you do if you won the lottery or in fact people try to win the lottery and I just like I have no idea like I don't really have uh, much interest in like super yachts or or whatever Mm. it's like it's too much money it's too it's too much money it's just like it's it's like it's unappealing it's so much money it's unappealing it's like okay I would I would obviously buy a house I'd set myself up with a house or whatever and, and buy a bunch of fancy things that I want but I don't know 200 it's just like a completely outside the football if you say you've got a 200 million budget to spend on the summer I'm like this 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 <laughs> but it was like 200 million to spend on yourself I'm like uh a house and then maybe a, a car but probably not even a fancy car because <laughs> so I'm I, I I'm, I'm giving most of it away you know I'm, I'm giving it to 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 worthwhile causes because I don't need like a living butler or um I don't know seven <laughs> sports cars or whatever or, or even maybe- a restaurant I'd buy a. Um, I'm just thinking now. I'd buy my local village football team. Give them <laughs> new kits, new boots. Tanking down below. <laughs> yeah, da- da- jazz up the changing room. Hire Nathan as director of football <laughs> no. for this club. Hire Windy as as manager, just so I can start a get Windy out. Uh, hashtag <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd buy a local local football team not with the aspiration to get them to the Champions League but just just to get decent kind of amateur players playing football maybe hire Alex from Bristol extra HFC I'm, I'm saying Chris Summersell is going to be our first team coach yes, there we sure. go uh, Matt T is going to be our recruitment specialist he's going to be mm. scouting the lower leagues for our new players exactly awesome stuff um yeah i mean i i sort of feel the same as nathan it's once you get beyond a certain amount of money it's like what what are you gonna do other than give it away um obviously i would build some sort of recording studio for us we'd have a we'd have a really plush recording studio so, but the thing is it's not like we all live so far apart now that it's not that convenient so hmm. maybe that's it maybe i'd buy us drivers <laughs> who are uh eth- like green drivers who have electric cars and they come and pick us up and take us to our recording studio every week. I thought you were going to say you were going to like get like uh, the extra inch mansion built for us to live in together with a studio in the basement. <laughs> like We'll relocate together as a trio in, in Kent. I quite like that. We, 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 we sort of, it becomes a commune and we, uh, we, we truly begin the cult of the extra inch. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, we could just get helicopters and just commute that way. There is um, there's this weird phenomenon of where I live at the moment of um, people going up in gliders, and I just sit there and I watch these these crazy people in in an aeroplane with no engine floating above the sky, and I'm like, what are they doing? A bit like when I look at Spurs, huh? What are they doing? <laughs> no engine. Yeah, nicely done. I mean, I could just carry on talking about this all episode, to be honest, but we've we've got to touch on Spurs. Um, we we lost three one to Leeds. It was uh, pretty unpleasant to watch. Let's start with the team selection. Not a great deal to to write home about because it was the same team, um, which which meant that Ndombele wasn't playing once again. And we actually had a conversation. I think it was in the last podcast about whether he might have been injured. Uh, but I, I think it was. I think I said that it's unlikely he was injured because Mason had an opportunity to clear that up in the in the previous press conference and didn't. But it turns out he was injured and he'd missed some training sessions, and that could explain why he didn't play. Uh, the last couple but he was back fit for this one and the point Mason was making pre-match was that all the players had trained well and it was really hard to pick a starting 11 uh, despite the fact that they'd obviously thrashed Sheffield United in the previous match and looked really good doing so um, Bardi, any surprises with the selection for you? Um, no, no surprises at all. But I think what this does do, it um, kind of puts a nail in Bale as a um, as a top level player. Not Bale remains a very good player who this season we've seen him bury like trash. Like he's absolutely buried Burnley, Crystal Palace, Sheffield United. But all of a sudden, when he comes up against a team that's a little bit got a little bit more in the tank, such as Arsenal, such as Leeds, I think that's where we kind of see where the failings of Gareth Bale are as a top level footballer so yeah I think if anything's to be taken from this it's that I don't think we should renew bail other than keeping him around to to smash trash but then that's a lot of money we're spending to keep him Mm -hmm. there but I think somebody did comment that bail cost us 20 million pounds maybe a year but then you've got 14 million apparently so could we for that 14 million pounds sign a better player to to help us kill off Sheffield United's next season I don't know if we can but I'm not sure that's the kind of um, recruitment approach we want to take for next year mm. yeah that's um 
let's come back to Bale because I think there's mm. more to be said, particularly in relation to this match. Um, Nathan, this very much looks like a manager who has been coaching. And when I say coaching, I, I don't take that lightly. I mean, seriously drilling a team for three years against a man who's been coaching a team for three weeks. Uh, because hmm. it it was that, but it, I don't think the difference has ever been more stark in a match. I mean, Mason, in some respects, took uh, a calculated gamble in the same way that Mourinho did in, in some of his games. And whilst I didn't approve, I could see what he was attempting to do. The gamble definitely didn't pay off in this match, and Leeds, for much of the game, outplayed us. How did you? How did you think it went? I mean, you said it there, essentially, really. Um, I, I sort of did see this coming, to be honest. I, I We did a Leeds preview on the Patreon feed, which some of it also appeared on the Leeds podcast, All Stats, aren't we? And I said, look, look um, my big issue with Mourinho is that he was far too reactive in his tactical approach, um, and we need to be a proactive football club. However, in this particular game, when you're coming up against Leeds... Um, we saw how effective reactive football works against them and, and that's the better way to play against this club. Um, but I also said on that podcast, and it's easy to sort of look back and change my minds now, I also said like, but I'd rather us sort of stick to our guns and demonstrate what we intend to do going forwards, etc, etc, than just like go back to what we were doing before, which is to play each game for the sake of each game. Having said that, and then watched us like really just look second best against Leeds, it's, it's sort of, it's it's hard to double down on that. Um, but I'm, I wasn't like, I I thought that we would be able to come back into the game. Um, but I'm not shocked by how this went. Um, and neither am I like completely thrown off my you know my hot takes. Neither this doesn't really change a lot for me. I don't I don't feel completely different about you know various things on the back of this one game. Um, I, it, it puts a bit of a damper on things, uh, and it and it puts more doubt into like how we can see out the season. Obviously, I think top four is basically gone now, regardless, mm. or you know everything but the most ridiculous series of events. Um, so I. Um, but regardless of that, you wanna you wanna you wanna win games. You wanna end the season with a slightly better feeling going into the summer, and and you know give give Kane a reason to stick around and all that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> obviously, I still really want us to 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 win the last few games, and I do have a little bit more doubt over that because I think that um, yes, while Leeds' style of play and their intensity was always likely to give us problems when we're doing sort of what I described as as sort of um, a beginner's impression of proactive football. I think other teams, not as well as Leeds, but can sort of replicate those ideas and, and take the game to us and contest the middle of the pitch um, and put us under a bit of pressure and that's going to hurt us probably a few more times before the end of the summer. Um, so there's a little bit of concern there. Um, but I still feel better about a club than I did several weeks ago and that's that's not changed. You know, a loss is a loss. Whatever. Don't don't um post that on Twitter, will you? That's uh that's a thing you shouldn't post on Twitter. As I found oh, like, out. I've been having it on Twitter. I've been having it pretty bad. I know you've had it a lot worse, but I've been getting it from Mourinho Easters who want to bring up what I said last week about look, this is a squad who are capable of playing possession football and then we come to an occasion where we can't and we fail. But that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't mean that I was wrong about that. It just means that leads are difficult if you've not been coaching it for months. Really difficult. This Leeds team is not a team of mugs. This is the stuff um, that I was getting on Twitter over the weekend about, you know, you wanted this and now we've lost to a team just promoted from the championship. I'm like, come on, Leeds have just beaten Man City. They've drawn with Liverpool and drawn with Man U. Yes, they lost to Brighton immediately before us, but they can't just ignore those results. They're a good team. They're a very good, very well-organised team whose players are worse than us, (laughs) no doubt. No doubt about it but they're a very unusual unique team to play against yeah that's it they're 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 a puzzle and what mason and powell don't need right now is is difficult right. puzzles right yeah leads leads are unbeaten at home against the traditional top six leads are a good team i i do have a funny feeling that perhaps jose could have beaten them because yeah same. Jose, same. jose wouldn't have gone into this in the same manner as mason he would have changed it up a little bit but you know the leads are Leeds are a, a really well coached team who occasionally will come up against a team with better individuals and they will lose. And they came up against a a team with perhaps better individuals but in a worse kind of shape and they beat us. And fair play to them, they beat us. And do you know what? I think Bielsa has been getting a lot of um, critics on because some 
parts of Coy's Twitter. And um, what he did, what he did to Spurs uh, this weekend, kind of shows what the problem that we've had without a a plan and without a direction for for nearly two years now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Completely agree. He's a very, very impressive, impressive character. He's done a remarkable job, and Leeds fans love him for good reason. Um, but Nathan... trophy trophy nonsense will keep going after him because he doesn't have right, the collection right. of trophies because he's 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 a manager who's never taken the biggest jobs in football when perhaps he's chosen not to or those jobs never came to him I'm, I'm not quite sure but he remains one of the most influential managers in football and you don't get people like Pochettino, Guardiola etc talking about his influence on them without being a an incredible coach Mm. So we we beat Leeds earlier in the season under Mourinho with thirty six percent possession, and I think that sort mm. of really demonstrates the the difference in approaches against Leeds and, and different results you're going to get. I do think that, like having said that, there are teams who've beat Leeds having more of the ball. It's not impossible to you know outplay what is essentially a, a mid table championship squad of players at their own game. Um, and 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 Brighton did that the other week. You know, um, shout out to Graham Potter. So um, <laughs> there are there are it was possible for us to win this game playing the way we did and one way that would really have helped that was having Ndombele so I have read about the Ndombele injury news and I've heard you speak about it but I'm still really struggling with the timeline can you talk me through it really slowly because I'm really confused about when he is and wasn't and will be injured I don't quite know if he missed training sessions before the cup final or just afterwards but uh, he's definitely missed some training sessions but why why is that only acknowledged now and not before I don't know I can't work it out I because Mason did have an opportunity to clear that up post cup final and then post Sheffield United too and he, he didn't so I, I'm confused but then we've not been very good at talking about our injuries recently anyway um Ben Davis has been out for weeks and we've only just found out that it's a calf injury so I, I think there's I don't know it's been a bit odd I think Mason perhaps doesn't want to focus on individuals and wants to talk about the collective a bit more which is you know his chosen way so. forwards fair enough but yeah I completely agree that Ndombele would really have helped in this match in terms of being press resistant well, when he came on, and I tweet this during the game, he came on and he immediately was used as the deepest midfielder in, in possession, which yeah. you know, which is not normally how he operates, but was clearly necessary for this game. So yeah. it's not like you know Mason and Powell um, weren't weren't aware of what he would offer and the importance that would be in this game. Now, having said that, despite the fact that he beat players a couple of times in build up, we didn't look much better as a team. And when we did get the ball into attacking areas towards the end of the game, um, we didn't look much better. And then our press got broken and they scored a third goal. So um, it's not like Ndombele came on and magically fixed everything and that if he'd started, it would it would have gone fine. But um, uh, Lacelso looked pretty rough, didn't he? I didn't think he was too bad, you know. Okay. I've seen a few people say this. Um, I mean, I didn't think we looked good generally, but given that he was up against the 3v2 in midfield, I thought he was like one of the only players that actually moved the ball forward consistently. Um, let's talk about the game in a bit more detail. So I described it at the start as a calculated gamble. And what I meant by that was we essentially left our fullbacks occasionally two against one mm-hmm. um, and, and left Son and Bale higher up the pitch because the idea was... We allow Leeds to come onto us and then we the break their press. We we quickly release our amazing wide attacking players and we create chances. Um, didn't work out that way because we couldn't get the ball beyond Leeds' press. We couldn't pass out from the back. Alderweireld had... I mean, I, I love Alderweireld. I've said it many times. He couldn't pass the ball out from the back. He was pretty hopeless in doing that. Uh, when he tried to go long, it was nearly always headed away by a Leeds player or intercepted by a Leeds player. So he was completely ineffective. Dyer equally so, pretty much. Uh, pretty useless at getting the ball out from the back. And then also, let's let's not fail to talk about his horrific defending in this game. Mm. Um, and then our fullbacks were also really poor at progressing the ball. But it's not just them. It's the, it's the, it's Huybier as well, who I, I think is a, a competent footballer who has looked broken for some weeks physically, but I think also is starting to look a bit broken mentally now as well and very jaded. And he doesn't sort of seem to know... He doesn't do the simple things now that he was doing so well at the start of the season. He doesn't sort of pick the ball up and move it along. And it's partly, of course, because Leeds are a really effective pressing machine who who not only go man-to-man, but they cut off passing lanes as well. So you're you're constantly restricted to basically one pass or a speculative long ball. And then that you, they force you to make that one pass and then they intercept it. 
it's really it's it's so hard to play against but we made it look look even harder if that's uh if that's possible um let's talk a little bit about the defense because it was it was really bad and look i'm not going to sit here and say um Look, I, I was I was very dismissive when we tried to blame the Mourinho regime on individual errors. So it would be wrong now to say that this was all down to individual errors. It wasn't. It was systemic flaws as well. However, the amount of times that our fullbacks lost their individual battles was ridiculous. The amount of times that Eric Dyer lost his individual battles in the fucking six-yard box was ridiculous. Two of them cost us goals. Um, and the third one, I don't know what he was doing on the third one, to be honest. His decision-making, I mean, tough tough decision to make because you're two against one, but it was awful what he did. Um, Bardi, Eric Dyer, talk to me. I've said many times, and on Discord today, Owen was talking to me about the, the space behind Dyer, and I've always said I, I want to live there because it's a, it's a sea of tranquility. You can do whatever you want there. And that first goal, he allows it to go across him. Yeah, why He's did he let near, it go? What, you're a defender. Clear the, clear the ball, Dyer. You're at the front post. He could have cut that across. He could have cut that out, and the danger goes... And the second goal is just him being unaware of where he is. And then he has opportunities on that second goal. First in the header, then from the cross. He doesn't know where he is. The third goal, he has no idea of his position on a football pitch. And his, I thought that maybe he could survive at a team like Burnley, but I don't think he can. I think he's destined for a career in, in the Vanarama. He's just, <laughs> he's, he's an awful, awful footballer and he's an awful defender. And Davinson Sanchez wouldn't be doing these issues. Just put Sanchez in. Sanchez would clear that. Sanchez would, Sanchez is a better defender than Eric Dyer, but for some reason, uh, Mason seems to like him just as Jose did and it's um, it's pointless and he needs to be sold he doesn't offer the club anything and I'm tired I'm tired and you know, I'm just tired of talking about Eric Dyer yeah. he's um, yeah he's a huge problem and you're right we, we always talk about the individual but if you're if you're trying to build a back four and one individual is so faulty then it you keep you keep getting drawn to him Reguilon is in a bad position for that yeah. first goal because Dyer should have intercepted it uh yeah, and he makes Alderweireld look awful as well. I, I, I'm not as down on Dyer as you are, but it, that was an indefensible performance from him, to be honest. Uh, but what I would say is that, in my view, the fullbacks were pretty much just as bad as Dyer. It's just that their their mistakes aren't in the six yard box, right? So they they, they can make a mistake and in some ways get away with it. I mean, Aurier, frankly, was probably at fault for the first two goals as well. Aurier um, got exposed because he ended up he ended up two against one. He's like what happened against Arsenal. He's got no support there, and they double up on him, and and you get destroyed. One, two versus one, you're never going to win that battle. You can be the best defender in the world, but uh, we allowed him to get exposed. And as much as Aurier is a bad defender, I, I don't I don't really blame him too much. He was he had a hard he had a hard time, and he did what he could. I think the problem is the is the centre backs and the wingers as well. I think Regulon is a really useful tool here because he is someone that we can have a grasp of how good he is as a player before he mm. came to Spurs. And yep. and the simple fact of the matter is that he is he just is one of the best left backs in the world. So for him to look as bad as he has done, um, not just you know in this particular game, but previously under Mason, previously under Mourinho, um, shows that there's there's a lot of going wrong you know throughout the club throughout the team set up under two different managers okay set up under one manager and then sort of briefly mm. cobbled together under an interim manager um to make individuals look even worse than they are die obviously not a great defender made to made to look very poor but but even regular who again i have to insist is is a, is a good player um made to look a bit of a mess um so i do think that the situation with Regulon does sort of offer some slack to other defenders who are also appearing worse than they are. Um, but yeah, I had a rough. And you mentioned Sanchez. I think that we've talked about Ndombele and, and his ability on the ball, but I think this could, would likely have been a good game for Roden um, for his his comfort on mm. the ball. And we haven't talked about that. And he's not injured as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, although he was apparently uh, a Mourinho loyalist. Uh, according to his brother, who says all kinds of um, <laughs> shit <laughs> on Twitter, to put it, let's leave it that one there. I think. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I think Roland's ability on the ball would have been useful. Uh, um, 
and and Alderweireld's age kind of really really showed here. Um, not that we haven't seen glimpses of that, of course, all season. Um, but but him just just a little off the pace, and, and we can see his strengths at the right time. Um, we, we've seen some good moments from him recently and previously this season. Um, but when things are going rough for him, they're going really rough for him now because he's just a step behind. Um, his brain can do a lot for him, but when he's sort of 40 yards away from his box and the ball's racing past him, he's toast. Um, so yeah, investment in centre-back, but it's not like that's something that we're suddenly deciding now. <laughs> not only now, you know, we said all along, there are issues at centre-back that need to be fixed. And this kind of, and it's the same kind of goal as well. It's the same kind of, it's, it's okay, for the third goal, it's them getting caught up high at the pitch, but the first two goals, it's, it's defending your own box, it's defending crosses, it's defending balls across Eric Dyer. Um, so it's more the same stuff um the the upside is that we're spending less time or we have so far been spending less time in our own box but um <laughs> we have to reduce that to zero time essentially in order to completely um avoid this stuff so yeah i mean it, it, again it's, it's no change in situation we needed a change in system we needed a change in approach but you also need some change in personnel at the back that is that's completely clear um and has been all season I think on top of this as well, there's something going on with Hjoiberg. He seems constantly out of position now. He, for for some of their chances, he's the one that's high pressing. For other opportunities, for their for their second goal, he's at left back and Region is in a, a holding position. And I'm he just seems a little bit lost. Whether that's fatigue and his mind is fused, but he's all over the place. He's not holding like. If you look how Chelsea are playing at the moment, they've got Kante who's running around, closing down and making interceptions, which you'd kind of see perhaps Lo Celso doing that. And then you've got Jorginho who's sitting and kind of mopping up and dealing with everything else. Perhaps that's what Schoeberg should be or doing. Or Gilmore. Gilmore this weekend, doesn't it? Or Gil- exactly. So they, they, have a, they have an idea of one will sit and mop up, the other one will press and try and intercept. Whereas at the moment we have Lo Celso and Schoeberg both trying to do the same thing. Schoeberg charging forward, um arriving in the box as Kane's taken a shot and it's just even the third goal I'm not sure why he was there and Alderweireld was in another place but we we don't have any kind of idea of shape at the moment and I think Hjoiberg is is partly at fault of that but there are mitigating faults for that I mean we'll go into the the amount of minutes that all our the amount of games and minutes that our players have played but Hjoiberg does seem to be someone who's who's run a marathon and got across the finish line and is now having to try and make a cup of tea. He doesn't know where he is. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I think it's got to be that. He's played he's played 4,000 minutes, um, yeah. which is just a, a sickening amount of football. It's, it's it's two seasons worth of minutes in one season. He's still got a couple more games to go. Um, so, I, I mean, we were all really impressed with him beginning and middle of season, and now he's been bad for several weeks. And I think that that just fits so neatly, so clearly with him having just been run through through the ground, playing basically every minute possible all season. Um, that I'm, I'm happy to assume that there must be fatigue, and 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 hopefully next season we'll have Hoybier and Skip, and they'll be able to share the minutes about more easily, and, and we'll get a, a better look at both of them. I think I think, and when we when I did my links video to Hoybier. Um, back when we were looking at signing him in the first place, like I do think that there are some weaknesses to his game. I do think that he's a little off sort of top level pace. I do think that there are some technical deficiencies to his game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he's a good player, basically. And um, and anyone's going to look rough if you make him do 4K hard minutes. And it's not like when you talk about like um, Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi doing 4K minutes and they spend a lot of the time just wandering around letting their team do the defending for them. It's like, no, Hoybier is out there sprinting for 4,000 minutes and and that's going to, you know, rub bones onto bones until they <laughs> collapse under the weight. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a miserable toll on his body this season. So I, I'm happy to give him the benefit of the doubt. And just to sort of widen it out as well, um, I checked post-match and Leeds have played 37 matches this season. Spurs have played 55 matches. So almost 50% on on top of Leeds' total. So no wonder they're able to cover the ground in the same way that they're able to by the end of that match, whereas we were looking pretty gassed. I mean, Leeds are also, if you if you watch their um, All or Nothing Amazon series, they are an extremely fit club and... Bielsa will yeah. he will weigh every single player, and I don't know if you've ever had the pinch test. He gets those pinches out and he measures body fat. They are an extremely fit fit team, and yeah, that's that's clearly from from what we can 
consistency. They've played fewer matches, but they go very hard in training. Mm, so is they've, they've, they've covered some seven distance. And like, again, when we, we were doing the like, trying not to be hypocrites thing is that like, I didn't allow this to be an excuse for Mourinho. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I can't allow this to be an excuse for Mason. We we were less organised than Leeds as well for as, sure. as less fit, you know. So let, let's talk a bit about that. So Tony, who is Mopo Hotspur, says, at EPL level and a club like Spurs, shouldn't we be entitled to expect every Spurs player to be as comfortable on the ball as every Leeds player was? Surely that doesn't need to be coached. It has to be a given, no? Um, this, this really upsets me. <laughs> so this whole principle of... Um, we are Tottenham. And it was something that we saw with Man United maybe a year ago or 18 months ago where you're United. You should just be better. That's not, that's not really how life works. It's, or how football works. Just because we're Tottenham Hotspurs shouldn't, the entitlement that we should win games and we should just be better players is, is a bit wrong. You have to work for this kind of stuff. You have to focus. You have to have a good coaching. Uh, system put in place and you have to have players willing to willing to do that just because Musa Sissoko signed for or Tottenham doesn't automatically mean that he's technically gifted <laughs> and, and is comfortable on the ball it just, it's not something you sign your contract and boom you're David Ginola it's not like that you have to work for this stuff you have to put it in and Unfortunately, we don't have players that haven't worked and put the effort in, and we haven't had managers that haven't worked and put the effort in. And it's, we're in this perfect storm now of, um, of bad players who've been badly coached and playing a bad system. And this is what we're seeing now. When we come up against either better players, like um, we did against Man City, or, or a better system, like we did against Leeds, we, we get shown up. We're okay against the trash who have got bad system of bad players, but... You know, the entitlement that we're Tottenham Hotspur, we should be better. It doesn't work like that. We need to be better. We need to remove that entitlement from the way we play. But he's he's saying, aren't, aren't we as fans entitled to Spurs doing a better job of recruiting technical players? Which I think yes. I think is, is closer to fair enough. Where, where I do have a problem with the question is, I don't actually agree that, that Leeds are throughout the team necessarily that comfortable on the ball I think that their fullbacks have, can have a pretty hard time on the ball um, if you force to play through them um, the difference is that they did a much better job at exposing our technical deficiencies than we did in reverse to them mm. um, so again Leeds squad is essentially a championship squad um, they don't have a better squad than I promise you that they do not have a better squad than us um, it's just it's just how it plays out on the pitch with again with the organisation with the tactical approach with the coaching time um, with the fitness with the freshness which is different fitness <laughs> um, and, and everything else is that yeah um. there is not a single Leeds player that I would take for our starting eleven not a single one Rafinha would be the closest one uh, Melier I like but he's no he's not superior to Luis just yet mm. Calvin Maybe Phillips, Phillips. Pep possibly but he was injured he wasn't playing in this match. There's not a single one That's true, of yeah. their they starting were, eleven. They were playing a recognised centre back in midfield, so <laughs> you know. Right. So, so I, I mean, I, I see what Tony's getting at, but the reason Leeds look so much better is because they have a system that they know like the back of their hand. There's always movement ahead of the ball. They've always got options to pass to. We were being, we were falling into every trap they set. We didn't have a single passing option the majority of the time, so you end up just making hopeful punts forward and hope that Kane or Bale or Son can challenge and compete and win something, and then Lacelso gets in the second ball and springs something, or Delhi makes a ball recovery and springs something, which he did a couple of times and it kind of worked. But you know, this is that—that's what we were reliant on. Leeds were just a machine; they're working as one. They're—they're they're together, and like Nathan says, they're not technically superior players, but they're made to look that way because they've got more time in the ball, they've got more options in the ball, so it's easier to look. Like like a more technically able player. I want to talk a little bit about the disallowed goal because so Mason said post-match that this was massive. He completely disagrees with the decision and it would have completely changed the momentum of the game because it would have Mm. made it 2-1 to Spurs. And honestly, I have sympathy with him with that view because I don't think that is offside. I don't think VAR, the, the, the system that the VAR is using is is competent, frankly enough, to adjudicate on an offside that, that is that close. We're talking millimetres here. It was such a fuzzy image that they were drawing the lines on. I don't see how it can be entirely accurate. I, I just don't trust the system on, on something that close. And it's it's annoying when it goes against Spurs because it's like we... <laughs> Although we have had some, don't get me wrong, we've had some really fortunate moments with VAR and some enjoyable moments, Man City being a notable one. Uh, but we, it does feel like we've had a lot of really close ones go against us too. Leicester, Leicester comes to mind, but there's been, there's been others as well. We've been had some really unfortunate calls. 
Nathan, is is that offside? <laughs> I don't know, and that's the thing is that like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what a lot of people say and say that's not offside because we literally don't know. The image isn't clear enough, and that's 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 the problem. Is that but that's why w- it's not offside, right? Because there's enough doubt. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is that we appear to have gone away with the idea of using benefit of doubt in offside, right? We I don't know where. It was written, if it's still written there, if it ever was written, but there appeared to be a notion in the past of benefit the doubt, and that has gone away. We've decided that there is no such thing as 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 in line, as even. There is always one particle ahead of another, and here's our 24 frames per second, per second yeah. <laughs> blurry footage where... Um, Pascal Strike's calf is like seven calves wide and the feet are in three different positions at the same time. And you can't even see where the ball is. And no one has decided if a ball is kicked when you make foot contact with the ball or when mm. the ball leaves your foot. So we don't know when the moment is and we don't know where the feet are when the moment happens. And the lines are too thick and just nothing about it makes sense at all. Um, I'm still conceptually in support of VAR. I just think we have to recognise the limitations of the technology. Um, and another, uh, where some leagues are recognising the limitation of the technology is that they're saying, well, we'll just go with the original call. But the original call was that he was offside. So in that situation, it would have been ruled offside anyway. But I don't think that's good enough. I think you have to look at the footage and say, when we look at this under a microscope, it's not sure. And therefore, we're giving the attack the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um but we, I don't know, we're pretending that VAR is more accurate than it is. We're pretending we have better footage than we have. We're pretending exactly. we have better written rules than we have. Um, so the, for me, the issue isn't the, like, the issue isn't the idea of using video replay to make a call, right? Because the original call is a bad one. What we can, what we could possibly, with a better structure and better rules, is then looked at that footage and gone, it's too close to call we call it onside, but that's not what we do. So the issue isn't the concept of using video replay, it's how we're using it and how the rules are written. Exactly, there needs to be a margin of error written into the rule, I think, where they just can't quite, they can't be 100% sure once it gets to a certain, you know, some of them, fair enough, yeah, you can tell. There's like, there's a gap between the lines. Fine, I've got no issue Mm. with that. There has to be a margin of error written into these offside calls because it's getting getting ridiculous. Uh, I've got one more bone to pick with Mason before we move on. His substitutions were really bad, I thought. And I'm not just saying that in hindsight. I hated them at the time. I hated Lucas and Lamella coming on for for Bale and Delhi. I really hated those subs so much. Um, I mean, I actually thought Delhi, whilst he didn't see much of the ball, was effective when he had it. I mean, he created the goal and then also the the goal that was that was ruled out. Right, so he was. He was shown he was able to, to do things. And then we bring on two players who they might create something for themselves. But, re- I mean, let's be honest, they're, they're not likely to sort of carve apart leads and create something for other players. It seemed counterproductive to me at a time when, when we needed some, some more control. I, I it, Well, I think it made sense in terms of having ball carriers who can try and break leads press on their own. I, I I think I think one of those would have made sense. I think Lucas or Lamella, and I think probably mm. Lucas would have been the pick. So I think Lucas the sub the Lucas sub made sense, but subs generally too late in the game. Um, a lack of Ndombele, of course. Um, I I I I I accept your frustration. I just think that Lucas made sense as a sub. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe. So so my, my what I've done is bring on Ndombele because. It was clear we needed someone in midfield who could hold the ball and, and progress and move it forward, take it from the centre-backs and move it forward. And then I don't think you'd have needed Bale to carry the ball through the press. Uh, sorry, Lucas to carry the ball through the press because Ndombele is sort of doing that job. So you could leave Delhi on to do some of that stuff. So you, may, you know, bring on bring on Ndombele for... Um, I'd have brought him on for Huibia, to be honest. You know, particularly when we're, when we're 2-1 down, I'd have brought Ndombele on for Huibia. And just gone for him midfield, you know, have mm. Huey be at, uh, have Ndombele picking the ball up off the centre backs and, and then looking to spring forward. Um, Lucas was was miserable in his cameo, really miserable. Lamella wasn't any better, if I'm honest. Um, not good. I'd not forgotten good. that Lamella came on. Yeah, he, he achieved nothing. He really achieved nothing. But then, you know, Bale achieved very little. Kane broadly achieved very little too. It wasn't necessarily the attacking players. It was it was the way we failed to get the ball to have been useful positions, I felt. Do we want to talk about Bale now? Mm-hmm. 
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I put a poll out on my Twitter feed about Bale. I did one last week after the Sheffield United match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, saying, did you, would you, would you take Bale back next season? And it was overwhelming. People, I think there's 95% of respondents yeah. would take Bale back. And then this week? 20% were not so keen on okay. taking Bale back. So a big swing based upon one match. And it kind of goes back to the point Bardi made at the start. Um, so so here's where I am on bail. I think so. What are, from what I understand, it's somewhere between twelve and fourteen million to um, to take bail back next season. I think we would struggle to get a player of that value who will help us beat as many teams as I think bail will help us beat. And I sort of I I'm sympathetic to Barley's argument that you then can't play bail against certain teams because he doesn't have the legs or or he doesn't have the stamina to sort of defensive nous to, to get back into the fullback area and help out. But I'm, I'm perhaps ridiculously optimistic. I think that with a proper coach next year and a proper functioning unit, you don't necessarily need Bale to be having the legs to run back into the fullback zone because you have more control of the match generally. That's, that's my hope. And I'm, and I'm, I'd like to see Bale come back next year, not just for nostalgia. I, I genuinely think Bale is a, a match winner. I think he takes the pressure off players like Caden Son because he can chip in with goals, whereas I think we'd struggle to find a player at a similar value who, who could take a share of the goals and assists in the same way that Bale can. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think? I'm, I'm not so sure. As, as I said at the start, I'm not so sure... Bale is worth it. I'm not sure if he's worth building a team around that we can that we can have him there and keep him. Like, like let's look at Juventus for example. Juventus is an example of Cristiano Ronaldo, who is a Bale-like figure, but obviously far more consistent in his goals and scoring. Do you build a team around getting the best out of Gareth Bale, like Juventus tried to build a team around getting the best out of Ronaldo? And at the but what you're doing is you're killing the the collective. I would rather build a team around Harry Kane and get the most out of Harry Kane than focus the team around Bale. I'm not sure you can you can have Kane who doesn't run as much as he used to and Bale in the same team. I think it's got to be one or the other. Yeah. If we lose Harry Kane, I would be more open to the idea of keeping Bale. That's that's kind of where I am now. I sort of feel sense. I sort of feel like Son has been as much of the issue as Kane and Bale these past few weeks to be honest. Um, I think Son has just been ridden and ridden and ridden this year in the same way Hjoibia has and he's he's struggling for form now. He did score a lovely goal against um, Sheffield United but aside from that he has been struggling um, and, I, and I think the three of them together is potentially a problem but I think having Bale allows you to go without Son or Kane every now and again. It would take a brave call from a manager to do it but that's that's my that's my that's my thought process. Nathan, where are you on Bale right now? Yeah, I think this notion of him that we're building, that he's this um, flat-track bully who um, maybe doesn't put in the defensive work that you'd like. Not that he's just completely lazy off the ball and does nothing, uh, but he's just not up to scratch in terms of his stamina, essentially. And um, I think I think that's fair, um, if not sort of perfectly um, analysed. So where that leaves him is like an option, especially how much he's costing us. Like, okay, you have this player who, like, if you bring him on against Sheffield United, he's going to score a hat trick. If you play him against Burnley, he's going to give you a third attacking mm. option. Um, uh, you know, you can play him against Palace; he's going to be a useful option. But in games where 
midfield is going to be contested, where control of the ball comes under question. Um, he's really no use at all, to be honest, or he's very little use, at least starting. I think you can still bring him off the bench um, in, you know, top six clashes and games against Leeds, etc. Um I think that makes it it's a tough call to be honest. I think the idea of like Kane or Bale is is a is a reasonable call from Bardi. I think that makes sense. Um but I think it's gonna depend on who who's in charge next season and what kind of football you're playing. And I think that it's probably um it's probably a call that you want to consult with your new manager on. Hmm. I think, oh, do you, this is Bale. This is our thoughts on on Bale's abilities. Do you want this player next season? Do you want to talk to Bale about sticking around next season? Um, I don't think it's a call to make right now. I think I think we're correct in identifying him as a player who who yes, at forty million a season is going to um, bully you know Europa League crap teams. Is that a is that good value for money? It's probably kind of close. It's it's probably it's probably you know within reasonable budget. Um, but to be honest, I would rather that the focus would be on we become a good enough team that we just know we're going to beat Sheffield United. We know we're going to beat Europa League group opponents. We know we're going to beat Burnley, and we don't need Bale's you know wonder strikes and hat trick ability in those games. And then we don't have to have a debate about like is it worth having a player in the squad who can't start in the North London derby because mm. you're going to win those other games regardless. And then you're spending forty million pounds to to get to see that guy you liked a few years ago with his ponytail running up and down the wing I don't know I, th- I, 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 I wouldn't be devastated if we sent him back to Real Madrid and I think that we've got to consult with our, our the next manager on it yeah, I think Nathan's I think Nathan's nailed it there and I don't think any manager that we've that we're considered or any manager on our shortlist would actually play Kane I don't I don't see Potter playing him I don't see Antonio Conte playing him. I'd... Play Bale, you mean? You say Kane? Yeah, play Bale. Sorry, <laughs> play, play Bale. I don't see I don't see Bale working in in anyone's setup. And even if we go back to peak Pochettino years, does does this Bale work in that team? I don't think so either. So, and I so think that's where so we are. Let me challenge you a little bit on that and just put it hmm. in a slightly different way. So Potter sometimes plays a three four one two system. He he plays often when he plays that system. He plays Welbeck and Malpe up front. And neither of them, to be honest, do a lot of work. I mean, Malpe runs around at the top end of the pitch much. He doesn't drop in a great deal. And Welbeck doesn't have the legs that he once did. And, you know, he's been injury ravaged. His career's been injury ravaged. So I can imagine uh, a Potter 3-4-1-2 with Bale and Kane up front or Bale and, or, or Kane and Son up front or even Bale and Son up front. And I think that brings goals with it. I think that brings no, but, goals. But you, your the basis of the of your argument is incorrect. I think because you're talking about a guy who's been forced to build his house with Weetabix, <laughs> and all of a sudden he comes to Tottenham and he gets given bricks. I don't think he starts building a house half Weetabix, half bricks. He then decides, oh, I'm going to use all proper proper materials. He's, he's using Danny Welpeck and uh, Danny Wel- Welpeck, Danny <laughs> Welbeck, and Mope because he's got no other choice. He's he's got those players. Um, yeah, it's like when Pochettino came to came to Tottenham. He didn't. Everyone was linked with. Um, we thought we were going to sign Rodriguez, but we didn't because he doesn't want to build his team with those kind of players. He'd rather have a son instead of a Rodriguez. So. I just because he plays well back at Brighton doesn't mean he's going to play um, Bale at Tottenham. Okay, I'm going to have one more go and then I promise <laughs> I'm going to leave it. Potter comes in. <laughs> it's going to take a little bit of time for him to establish his system, his his fundamentals. What better player to have for a year yeah. whilst he's building something substantial and sort of getting Bergvine to appreciate his system, getting whoever else he might sign or, you know, whoever it is ends up being from our squad. What better player to have than, than someone who guarantees, I mean, he does, he guarantees you 10 to 15 goals a season. I just think it's it's a no-brainer. I really do. I think that's the argument. I think that's the good argument is that like for, for while while we bring in a project manager to build something over the course of four years or more, um, and we know that that takes time. We have a question about Pochettino at PSG coming up. Um, while we know that takes time, having like ha- having the bail button. Oh, oh no, <laughs> oh no, we've got Burnley. Press the bail button. Having that as yeah. an option for a year just to get the points on the boards. And Have I think some that, of that, Ben. Me. I think, like you know, if that's the situation, then by February we don't think we need him anymore, and he just right. rides out the rest of the season. Then, then so be it. Yeah, I think, I think having having a, a flat track bully 
um, in in the first season of a, of a project manager does make sense for that. So, yeah, uh, uh, one one season for fourteen million, you can probably do worse. We love a one season wonder. <laughs> my my final counter argument on this is: if you've got thirty million pounds to go and buy a winger, if you take that money you're spending on on bail and you add it to the pot instead, you go out and you buy a I don't know a Pulisic instead of a um instead of a Bergwijn. You buy an established player for that little bit extra, and I would rather see Potter do that. And if it is Potter, I fully believe that he he won't think short term because you don't sign a manager like Potter thinking short term. You sign him for a three year contract so um i don't think if it's potter i don't think we see bail back okay so let's do the pochettino question that nathan referenced this is from lars and i'm gonna i'm gonna have a stab at lars's surname lars is danish i'm gonna say it's arpel not apel i want to say my inclination to say apel but i think lars arpel what do you reckon nathan i was thinking apple apel okay <laughs> okay yep yeah. Lars, please, please do uh, let us know on Twitter. Uh, so Lars says, what is the French word for Spursy? Pochettino seems to be doing the unthinkable and losing a one-team ma- one league as manager of the one team. If he gets sacked by Paris, would you take him back at Spurs in the summer? Or is it simply a no-go to reappoint a manager who was sacked just a few years back? And full disclosure, Lars asked this quite a while back. And did it seem like Pochettino had picked things up again? And then he's come back to me and said... Do you want to answer the question now? <laughs> it seems like he's messing it up right now. Good, good timing from Lars. Good, good to go back to that question. That's a smart play. Uh, I, essentially, I, I, I've set myself up there with like it takes time to do what Pochettino wants to do. We know that we can remember, um, you know, 2015, etc. And, and it takes a while to get these things going. Obviously, he's got a bet squad and he has a a league dominance <clears throat> that should be helping him along a little more, but. Um, Lille have built a really good squad. They've mm-hmm. had a really impressive recruitment for a while. I'm not sure that the football they play is extraordinary, um, but in terms of personnel, they've done they've done really special work there. Um, and and PSG just have to be patient in the way that they just aren't. If if a manager's getting judged on like being beaten over two legs by Pep Guardiola, it's just a ridiculous situation. I mean, they had Tuchel. Tuchel is obviously an absurdly good manager. Um, so they they sort of they can't go right and they can't go wrong. Um, I I don't think PSG will sack Pochettino. I definitely don't think that they should, but then they will do a lot of things I don't think they should. Um, <laughs> in terms of like, should we be back in for him? I just think it's too soon. I just think it's not it's not the time yet. Other because all we, we haven't like we haven't gone away and done our own thing. We've sort of moped around, heartbroken over our ex, and then we're going, oh, you're available again. No, that we have to we have to like <laughs> we have to go away and, and do something else and be someone else. And then, you know, maybe in another five years, it, it presents itself. But I don't think that we can, we can just sort of be in the Pochino era and then be in the waiting for the next Pochino era. That can't be where we are as a club. Yeah, you're 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 right. We we need to go away and learn Spanish and do a master's in humanitarian <laughs> aid or something. Yeah. But th- there are plenty of relationships out there that have been someone's been with someone a long time and then they're like, no, 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 I want to play the field, and then they they split up with their long term partner, go gone to play the field and realise that it's a mess out there. And <laughs> it first, is. First, yeah, first dates and Tinder and all these apps that you thought were great for for hooking up are actually a mess, and you you should have just stuck together in the first place, and you get back to together you get married you have kids and everything goes swimmingly um so perhaps that is perhaps pochettino uh, perhaps Mourinho was our kind of um our fling yeah our fling exactly (laughs) Mourinho was daniel levy's tinder (laughs) maybe maybe (laughs) daniel levy went out and he uh, super liked yeah he, he super liked bought himself a brand new wardrobe I started going out for for cocktails in, at rooftop rooftop terraces, and it, it didn't work out. I mean, I would take Pochettino back. I, I just would. I think Le- Levy's learnt a very hard lesson these past few years. Uh, I also think the squad's better now than when he left it. You know, we've got we've signed it's a, virtually a midfield. The same. No, like we've got a settled and Dombele and Lacelso. You've got Huey Bierre midfield. You've got Regidon, who's who's much much better than um, the Ben Davis. I, I just think it's. I think it's better. There's there's some surgery, sure, that he's doing, but I take I take it back. But 
you know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with. I'm happy with Graham. <laughs> Very happy with Graham. Uh, another manager, Nathan Matt T asks, was Roberto Martinez on the good managers list? He he isn't on the good managers list. I've got a bit of a situation now where there's there's building up a list of managers that we're linked with who aren't on the list or managers who are way down the list, and I don't think necessarily warrant like an hour long piece. Um, I'm kind of in a bit of a, a limbo at the moment where I'm waiting for some news to develop and, and mm. there to be a strong candidate to pick. Like I could just do a weekly video for the sake of there being a weekly video, but I'd rather save my energy and focus and time for like there actually being something worthwhile doing. So I'm sort of unsure. I might end up just doing a like, um, uh, here are some managers that exist and just do like 10 minutes each or 15 minutes each on, mm. on a bunch. Um, Roberto Martinez is... Um, He's all right. <laughs> He's Martinez is like the uh, the parody is like the the um the the English idea of foreign football. It's like it's it's fancy in its possession, but it's <laughs> ineffective. And he he lives that stereotype. He he is that stereotype. Um, I I I don't I'm trying to be respectful without because like I do have some respect for the work that he's done. I do think he's done good things. I do think he's coached a really good football to watch. Um but he just has these massive major errors and we shouldn't be linked to them. He just has these faults that have always materialized everywhere he's gone and always will. Um it's it's got to be a no. It's got to be a no. And I, I we need to like get him off our shortlist. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I really liked his Swansea team. Really sure. liked his Swansea team. Wigan, no, 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 no. It, I mean, I think what he showed at Wigan and then Everton was that he didn't know how to set up a defence. When he stepped away from Swansea, who just kind of controlled the ball the majority of the time, that, their possession was their defence, basically. Yeah. Once he stepped away from that, he really struggled. He got massively exposed with his defence at Wigan and then Everton. And that's kind of why Belgium made so much sense for him, because they had a ready-made defence. He didn't need to set anything up or create anything he could walk into a ready-made defense and just focus on the attack uh i'm not i'm not a fan of martinez at all i like him as a person i think he's fine but um not not for spurs no not for me buddy any anything to add no plus brown shoes and a blue suit no it's not for me <laughs> i don't mind that you know that's terrible <laughs> uh last one this is from g radus i'm gonna say radus as a pronunciation i'm guessing i do know it's uh gabriel uh, question for the pod off the back of my boss telling me quite an interesting anecdote about Daniel Levy they Tell both yes. were in the same year in college at university <laughs> and knew each other pretty well back in the day when everyone watched listened went to football together on the weekend Levy was never interested he wasn't interested in football at all apparently until his late 20s at least if he's ever actually been into it given we have stadium naming rights deals to do shirt sponsor deals to be discussed in 22-23 and a lot of clamour for change on the sporting side could you see Levy relinquishing football dealings to a direct sport or equivalent for the next project. It might appease a portion of the fans whilst not actually diluting any of his control of the actual runnings of the club. And if so, given the issues around Rangnick being ostensibly a terrible bloke, would you like to see would who would you like to see take on the role if it did become available? So I'm not going to be able to answer that second part because I just don't know who the suitable viable options are. Uh, but I'm very, very keen for Levy to relinquish some of the running of the football side of the club, and I think this is the perfect time, given everything that's happened with with the Super League and what the Trust are pushing for. Levy, if he was a smart man and didn't want to sort of rile people up, he would step back a little and say, yeah, maybe maybe it's time to go back to a new approach, a, a, an old approach with the director of football, with a layer in between him and football operations. Nathan, what do you think? And do you have any thoughts as to who might be an appropriate person if, if you think he would be consi- mm. even considering this? I'm actually not sure. Maybe that is something. that Maybe that can be my next my next video. Maybe that can be my next point of focus of director of football. That's a good shout, actually. Um, I am unshocked to <laughs> receive the idea that, that Daniel Levy is lying about being a... Or, or you know... Exaggerating. Yeah, exaggerating or whatever. I mean, as someone who is myself a late comer to football and wasn't into football at school or at least until the end, I do have some sort of like um, some connection with that there. Um, but I, I had never had any reason to just take his word for it that he's that he's a Spurs fan or that it really matters, to be honest. Um, yes, now is definitely the perfect time for him to take a step back from... Um, 
from being involved in the football side of things and, and moving to being, you know, the commercial director of Tottenham. Mm. Yeah, I think that everything is completely lined up for him to do that. And also, I think that he won't do that because that's just not who he is. And he is he sees himself as someone who has, 100%. has done this incredible job, uh, that has invent, reinvented himself and built his identity around being um, the football chairman of Tottenham Hotspur, that, that he, you know, used to be a more diverse um businessman and now he hangs around in the cafeteria all day talking to Danny Rhodes about news from Milan it's just that's just the man that he has become and he I don't think he I'm not sure he knows how to separate himself or, or what to do or I think he I think maybe he wasn't a Tottenham fan growing up but I think that he sees the football club as his baby and I don't think he's gonna mm. let anyone else take the reins um we he needs he needs to let go he needs to let a director of football come in and do his job for him but also he will not do that i bet he knows it as well i bet he's like completely aware but just cannot help himself in any way he actually he turns he turns 60 next year daniel levy so he could consider this sort of an early retirement he could consider this like him starting to wind down towards retirement but you're right he won't he won't do it buddy any thoughts yeah, I don't have a problem with him not understanding football as a chairman because he's not really there for that. But he does need to step away from um, all the decisions that happen on the pitch. I don't, I don't mind him. But it, you're right; this is a good opportunity for him to to call an call an early end to his career, and he can walk away from Spurs being very happy with what he's done. Um, but he won't. He's a, he's an absolutely megalomaniac. You could see the whole TV show was about him and for him. He won't do that. He needs um, he needs proper ousting in a kind of South American way. I've just remembered him telling Bergvine on camera not to let Mourinho down. Like this young talent has just arrived at the club, and you're gonna be like, make sure, like immediately applying pressure on him for just no yeah. reason at all. Oh, oh my god, god, yeah, and the absolutely cringeworthy conversation with the non-belay as well. <laughs> oh so my awful. god, why is he he's... talking to our players uh... and on on camera as well? Yeah. That's what I mean. He's a megalomaniac. He loves himself. He's, he doesn't he's not need. Happen. He doesn't need to be that involved. Even the Ericsson discussion, you know. Delegate that shit, Daniel. The thing is, Intervention. if he just did need. the commercial side, if he just is mm. did licensing and and stadium building and and all of that kind of stuff, he does. He like he's so compared to like what he's up against, especially in in terms of football chairman, he's so good at the commercial side of things. Not good as in you know <laughs> ethically good, but so skilled, <laughs> so capable, yeah. um, so smart, all of that. And he just thinks, and to an extent it does, but he thinks that that just transfers over to football within football totally and it just doesn't because um mm. players aren't just like static assets they aren't yeah. just stock options um they're they're skills and they're humans and he just doesn't have the 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 adaptation to that different challenge at all yeah it's like um there's two it reminds me of two plays like um um Usain Bolt just because he's really fast thought he could play football or Dwayne yes. Chambers, who was really fast, thought he could play rugby. He just didn't realise that he can't catch, can't tackle, doesn't know the rules. It's You can't just, because you're really good at business, think you know everything about football. There needs to be a separation there. Right, there are some transferable skills, but not the whole package there. Yeah, you know? exactly. But it's not just that, is it? It, it? Even if Daniel Levy was really good at the football side, you just don't want, like, you don't need him meddling. You, you need to, like, back off and let, let people run your football side of the club properly it's, it's just not really it's not a sensible structure i mean if he's really good at that fine appoint yourself as a director of football don't, don't stop being the chairman be the director of football instead don't do both that's just weird talking of daniel levy there's going to be an enoch out protest on the 15th of of may um buddy you're going to going along to observe um i'm going i'm using it as a good excuse to see some friends that i haven't <laughs> seen for a long time and I will go down and observe. I, I will see. I'll see how many beers I have. And I think I'll just. I'll, it's like I do. I always make good decisions after beers. Like then I'll decide <laughs> how much, how much of the protest to get involved with, and how many um, extra inch t-shirts to bring and start waving around to try and get on camera. <laughs> Nathan, now what are your what are your thoughts on the protest? Well, my thoughts on the protest is that like, what's the message? Because there's a lot of banners about like not spending money on players and stuff and i just think they're like absolutely it's like uh, there isn't like a there's a there are a lot of different reasons and legitimate reasons to be frustrated 
at Levy and Enoch, but like you've got to con- like if the 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 turning point for this is the ESL involvement, then that's what the focus needs to be, and we need to go on and say you're not fit to own this club you need you know you've got to let fans get involved you know it's got to be that's got to be the focus it's got to be their failure to represent us a fan base it can't be your failure to represent us as a fan base and also not spending enough money on players and also not buying this buying this one specific player that i want and uh, it's got to be no it's a mess Uh, it's hard obviously because this is like something so organic and again felt throughout the fan base in different ways it's very hard to sort of centralize and organize this but my but because it's not because essentially because it's not focused through the trust or not sufficiently focused through the trust it's a bunch of people who are angry at Daniel Levy for like not winning the Premier League and Champions League and buying players in the summer of 2018 and stuff and so because the message is mixed it's a bit like um the occupy movement it's a bit like the occupy movement mm, because the message right. is mixed it never gets delivered and because it it gets you know twisted and warped by body he's really just going down there to have a few beers and see his mates <laughs> i was it, thinking throughout of this i was thinking throughout this maybe we should send nathan not me <laughs> <laughs> i'm just going to get there and go you know i'm a bit like um this um the oh my god doc brown doc brown does this um sketch about being political like yeah i can kind of see this side but i can also see this i'm really kind of down the middle i want spurs to be better but i'm not sure how much i'm willing to um start climbing trees or digging tunnels about it you're a floating voter i think so, definitely definitely a floater if if we went down there, if we went down there, 10,000, 20,000 people protesting, one message, fans on the board, fans on the boards, mm. that would be a good protest. That would be an effective yep. protest. That would be potentially at least the start of something going forward. We keep that up. We we maintain that as a threat. We keep to that message, but we're not. Well, we're going to go down there and have a few beers and shave that Levy's greedy and, and, and not achieve anything. Uh, look, I, a protest is a protest and I'm in support of it regardless and, and, and people for whatever motivation they're going down there good for them um, but my, my, my concerns are that there isn't again there isn't a clarity yeah I think I agree I think there needs to be some sort of united front shown here um, I get the impression that it was quite hurriedly put together and it was just a quite like a look what's happened at Manu we can do something similar let's do something similar rather than a, a sort of well thought out targeted you know single message we, sh- we can all unite behind having said that when all the Super League stuff was happening I did sort of say where are all the Enoch out people now kind of thing because it you know it all we are Tottenham TV who are a YouTube channel uh, who who don't like Enoch uh, and de- definitely didn't like the Super League from what I saw. Uh, they did organise a small protest and people were laughing at them and I was like, well, at least they've you know got off their backsides mm. and actually got and done something about this horrible thing that's happening at our club and to football in general. Whereas like the Enoch outlot, that should have been their moment to mobilise. That would have like actually if if they've struggled to get people to listen to their message all this time, and it must be very frustrating for them because they feel very passionate about their cause, that was the moment, surely, to mm. to galvanise a group of people to unite behind them. And they all seem very quiet. But uh, now the United thing happened, I guess it's, it feels like a bit of a bandwagon jump. But like Nathan said, I think it's I think the protest is, is the right thing, even if ultimately lots of people are sort of campaigning against different things. I think ultimately it'll end in good because... The, the way that Levy and the board have operated over this whole European Super League thing has been disgusting. And uh, I'm glad to see a bit of anger being directed their way, frankly. Yeah. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.